This is the MedTech True Quality Stories podcast. Each week, we embark on a new storytelling journey with different MedTech executives as they share real-world, actionable best practices for medical device leaders. You'll gain invaluable insights into how these industry pioneers are successfully imagining, implementing, and improving true quality medical devices. Now here's your host, John Spear, founder and vice president of Quality Assurance and Regulatory Affairs at Greenlight Guru. I really love what these guys are doing. Fatana Care, got to check them out. Go to fatana.care, P-H-O-T-O-N-I.care care, C-A-R-E, to learn more about their product and technology. They're on the quest to truly solve a problem that, especially if your parent, has probably impacted you in some way, shape, or form during your child's life. I, I know it has your know, personal impact on me. I remember my child going through a lot of inner ear infection issues when he was younger. I wish I had their product, quite frankly, because I think it would have saved certainly a number of doctor visits, probably a number of antibiotics being prescribed, and maybe even some procedures that my son went through. So really exciting, heartfelt mission that they're, they're solving. So please enjoy this episode of MedTech True Quality Stories. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of MedTech True Quality Stories. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And I'm really thrilled about today's guest. Today, I have Ryan Shelton. Ryan is the CEO and co-founder of Photonicare. So, Ryan, welcome to MedTech True Quality Stories. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, from day one of hearing about Photonicare and learning about what you're doing and having an opportunity to work with you and your team over the past few years, I can really relate to the issue that, that your product and, and your solutions, I, I can relate to what you're trying to address and how you're trying to, to solve some problems. So if you could take a few moments to tell us a little bit about Photonicare and the product that you're developing, I think that would, would resonate with a lot of folks, especially those who have kids on today's call. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Photonicare has developed a handheld imaging platform. We use light to see through tissue. And the first product on that platform is for the ear. So we actually look through the eardrum to visualize the middle ear without having to cut the eardrum open. And, uh, you know, primary indication, at least initially on that, is middle ear infections, the leading cause of hearing loss, surgeries, antibiotic use, especially in children. And right now with that disease, the gold standard is an otoscope, which unfortunately has a 50% misdiagnosis rate. So every time you're taking your kid into the doc, you're usually getting about a coin flip as to whether you know, the, the right outcome is going to be found or not. So we're really trying to, uh, to move the needle on that problem by, frankly, just looking directly at the disease. We don't look directly at the eardrum like most technologies. We actually just look straight through it to the disease itself. And we've gotten some really fantastic and exciting results from that so far. I mean, it's just crazy to think that it's a 50-50 shot. I mean, I my kids are older now. They're, uh, you know, I have one who is an adult and one who thinks she's an adult. She, she's a, uh, she'll be 17 here in a few weeks. But I remember specifically with my son when he was younger, two or three, something like that, he had a lot of ear infections and, and we would go to the pediatrician a lot. And actually he ended up 
getting tubes placed in his ears and, you know, and, and through that whole process, you know, being prescribed antibiotics and all these sorts of things. And what I just heard you say is that those might have been misdiagnosed and, and misprescribed because of the tools that are available. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, just for the, for the doctors that may be listening to this podcast, it's absolutely not their fault. It's a you know, fundamental issue with the technology. I mean, if you put an otoscope into the hands of an expert, somebody that's, you know, let's say an ENT that's been using the device for 40 years, they're still limited to about a 70% accuracy in, in, in published studies. And that's, that's kind of the, the absolute best case scenario where they're also able to pull wax out of the kid's ear before they do the exam. So it's just a really limited technology. And it's what, what, you know, our current healthcare system is, is having to rely on. So that's, that's really, we're, we're really partnering with the physicians out there because yeah, yeah. we recognize that they, they don't have great tools right now. And we're trying to change that. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at an otoscope, and I mean, I don't know when an otoscope was invented, but let's just say I can tell you in my 43 years on this earth that I don't think there has been any real change in an otoscope, and I'm guessing it predates 1975 by a long shot. How long has the, the current uh, uh, otoscope type of technology been available? And then so. So if you, if you, you know, excluding changes like, like, you know, switching from a halogen lamp to an LED and some things like that, uh, the basic concept of an otoscope has been around for about 160 years. So that's, that's basically been what we've had, uh, you know, in, in all of modern medicine, that's, that's the only option. I mean, there, there are some tools that you'll find in, you know, ENT and audiology offices that can do a little bit better, but they don't get adoption in primary care practices and frontline medicine, frankly, is where, you know, this really needs to be uh, accurate because that's what's driving a lot of the downstream costs. And I know it's probably more complicated than this, but when I look at an otoscope and, you know, I've actually held one, actually a friend of mine has one, it looks like a flashlight. It's got to be more complicated than that, right? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, you know, it, it's we, we always kind of uh, use the description of a pin light and a magnifying glass, and and that's really uh, that's really all it is. And and you know, it's funny. Just a couple nights ago, you know, my my son, who uh, who's a budding engineer, but he's only seven, he uh, had put together. <laughs> You know, he had put together completely without my knowledge. A uh, he, he built a little projector out of a cardboard box and a lens that he found, and he was taking a cell phone and projecting, you know, cell phone screen onto his wall in his room. And you know, I, it actually made me think about the otoscope. Like this is this is basically oh, wow. what it is, right? It's like yeah. it's, and so. First off, you know, big kudos to my son. It was on Facebook Live, and I was very proud. <laughs> of it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's basically all it is. You know, it's it's just a lens and a, and a flashlight. So I know your story on on how Photonicare came to be and why you were motivated to start this. But for the folks listening to the episode today, I think that story is really inspirational. Do you mind sharing that with the folks? Yeah, sure. So like many of the people probably listening to this podcast, I also have children. I just referenced one of them. And uh, so I've got three kids and, and Jack, the same child that I just uh, talked about building the projector in his first year of life, about seven years ago, uh, you know, he went through this process in a big way. He had, he had, I think we, we, you know, 10 uh, or, or 11 office visits over the course of yeah. his first year of I've life. I've been there. I know what it's yeah. like. Yeah. And, and, you know, probably six or seven rounds of antibiotics in those, in those visits, maybe more than that. But, you know, so we really got to feel a little bit helplessness as a parent of, 
you know, this isn't really getting better. We, we haven't really been told what's going on and it's, it's not really improving. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, a little bit of how big and, and some of the limitations of the current standard of care for, uh, you know, middle ear disease. So, um, I mean, those, those of you that have been through it, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, your kid's screaming, pulling on their ears, take them to the doctor the next day and here's some antibiotics go home, those don't work, you know, come back in two weeks and get another round. This one's a little uh, stronger, probably give you diarrhea. So it's, it just goes on and on. Uh, and eventually, I think the average is about 12 months, uh, they'll get, you know, typically referral for surgery. Um, sometimes it's a lot sooner than that, sometimes it's a lot later. But I think that just goes to show some of the, the limitations in, in really being able to tell what, you know, how we need to treat this disease. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, and I look at your product, I want, I want you to, if it's okay, to share a little bit about your product. And then um, as we continue to discuss, we're going to talk, you know, about some of the challenges, some of the obstacles, some of the successes that you've had as well. Um, but the the Tommy scope, am I saying that correctly? That's right. All right. So it's T-O-M-I. And folks, you can uh, learn a whole bunch more about Fatana Care. Simply go to Fatana.care. P-H-O-T-O-N-I dot C-A-R-E. And there's a wealth of information about what they're doing and their product and so on. But but if you look at the Tommy scope, it has a similar form factor to the traditional otoscope. But I know it's way more than that. So maybe talk a little bit about, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but maybe go into a little bit more detail on how, on how the whole system works, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, t- to your point, it it was very important for us to you know, decrease the number of barriers because, I mean, one, one thing about what we're doing, we, we've got a great opportunity because the technology hasn't changed in 150 years. We've also got some big barriers because the technology hasn't changed in 150 years, right? Like when you're used to using something for as long as this thing has been around, uh, you know, the, 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 the friction you have to overcome in order to initiate a change becomes greater. So, you know, it was very important for us to make this as friendly, uh, user-friendly and familiar as possible to our users. So we did design it very much uh, in the form factor of a traditional otoscope. We did take the liberty to to make what we consider very straightforward improvements to, you know, if, even just the otoscope piece. And that's, you know, things like um, facilitating a very easy uh, transfer to, you know, export of the of the device data very easy sharing. Sharing is a huge deal right now in patient satisfaction, in patient education. Uh, and, and there's even, you know, metrics that relate to economics now that are associated with that. But, you know, right now, when, when you look at an otoscope being used, uh, the parents, the patients, they never see any of it, right? I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing with your kid's ear. You're not going to see any of it. And then I'm going to tell you what I think. Which, which, you know, that's fine. That's how that's, that's the limitations we've had so far. But being able to, you know, in real time, you know, share that data and, and use that as, uh, hey, mom, dad, this is why you're not getting antibiotics today for your child. Uh, it's not because I, I, you know, don't care about you and don't want you to, your, your child to improve. It's because, look at this, you know, there's nothing in the middle ear. This is why. And you can take this printout home. So it's, it's some things like that, even on just the otoscopy, that, that we've really tried to break down some barriers there. And then... You know, what we've added on the technology side is really some infrared imaging. And, you know, this, from the physics side, this is based off a technology called optical coherence tomography. That's as uh, jargony as I'll get today. But basically, it's, it's uh, analogous to ultrasound imaging, except we use light instead of sound. 
basically as simple as that. So we shine light in, it bounces back, and depending on what time it comes back, we can tell where it came from. So that, uh, that allows us to, to really build up, you know, two or three dimensional images in the ear and we can tell what's going on back there. And all of this is in parallel to uh, and in real time with the surface otoscopy image and, and integrated all together. Folks, it sounds very, very complicated. You, you got to go to their website and watch some of their videos. I've actually had a chance to see the device in person or at least an early prototype of the device in person a time or two. And, and what the team at Photonicare has done is really simplified this and, and giving, they're, they're going to be giving uh, the ENT, the primary health care provider, a lot more information, useful information and and as well as the patient so it's really really cool so ryan when i look at your background and and you and i've talked about this a little bit before i'll just say your your uh, pre-photonic care background doesn't scream medical device inventor and entrepreneur so <laughs> how did that all happen yeah sure so uh, uh yeah i mean I, I like to joke that this is my first real job and and it kind of is so I have a PhD in bioengineering uh, at Texas A&M. I don't know if any Aggies are listening, but hopefully so. And then after that, you know, I've, I've been in kind of medical imaging for a long time, but uh, on the academic side. And then I came up to do a, a, a postdoctoral position at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And I came up to join uh, Steve Bopart's lab, one of the uh, leaders in the world on medical imaging, especially as it pertains to optics. And I really did that because I, I wanted to get closer to the patient. That was that was really it. Uh, he's a big translational research guy, um, runs a, a, a very significant lab here at the University of Illinois, and he's an MD-PhD, so he's got the physician perspective. So I was doing a project with him, and we were really looking at uh, a wide range of applications for for kind of a simplified low-cost imaging technology. And, and uh, you know, at the same time, my son was going through what I had described earlier, and uh, you know, just really rang uh, true for me that this was a fantastic application for the tech. So that's kind of how we we got started. Uh, you know, I do want to throw a shout out to my co-founders, one of which is, is Steve uh, Bopart and, and the other is Ryan Nolan. Ryan and I were both working in Steve's lab. Me as a postdoc, Ryan is an imaging research scientist. And we kind of got this thing off the ground through an NSFI core program and a little bit of seed funding and, and away we went. So that's kind of uh, how I got my first job I suppose <laughs> so so we get into this and you start this this company and um, you, you get a little bit of seed capital to, to get things going um, but this this is the first time you've been a, a CEO of of a company uh, let alone a med device company which you know presents its own challenges some of which we might get into today um, I guess talk a little bit about that because I mean I I know that you have been, it's been awesome to, to, you know, live a little bit vicariously watching you and, and the team grow over the past few years. But, um, well, you've been very successful at fundraising and, and you know, really continuing to move the ball forward and, and closer and closer to, to getting to market. Share some of the challenges, especially maybe for those listening who may be, uh, entrepreneurs and, and CEOs of startups and or aspire to be, what are what are some of the biggest surprises or ahas that you've had along this journey? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, kind of a lot there. So the, you know, in, in regards to 
fundraising. You know, that's one thing that any medtech startup CEO, you know, you're always you're always fundraising. I mean, we're fundraising right now. You're pretty much always fundraising. But one of the things that, that sometimes gets overlooked, you know, one of the the biggest ways, the biggest way we've funded this company so far has been through uh, NIH grants, and um, they can be such an incredible asset, both from a validation perspective as well as just from from the sheer money perspective. Uh, I've raised more than twice uh, the capital from grants that I've had to raise from from private capital, and you know, in in medtech where you know investment. Uh, kind of hurdles and criteria are, are moving further down the path, it, it makes it really difficult sometimes for early stage startups to, you know, show what they need to show with very little resources in order to get access to more capital. So those, those you know, government grants really come in uh, in a big way. And, and we've uh, had a lot of success there. And that's allowed us to, you know, just raise the private capital when we need it and, uh, and, and be very efficient with our, our funds. So that's one thing that I would recommend. You know, it's always important to be fundraising, but uh, also, you know, look for other pools of capital that can help you get there. As far as, as you know, challenges or things that have surprised uh, me, I mean, there, there have been a lot on, especially on kind of the, we'll say, compliance, regulatory, quality side, where, uh, you know, this is just completely different than than most any other industry in that sense. And the things that, you know, you do have to go through in a design and in testing a design, um, in documenting a design. Uh, it, it's it's astounding. I mean, you know this very well, uh, John. And, yeah. uh, you know, as somebody that's coming in with with knowing nothing about it, that was something that, that really surprised me. And uh, you know, our team has done a fantastic job of uh, making sure that, that we stay on top of that. But uh, it, it's still, to this day, something that, uh, that, that always, always surprises me. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things that I hear quite a bit, especially for startups and, and first timers and into this industry is, you know, you sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And, and I think it's important to, to try to educate yourself. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put a shout out to the Greenlight uh, Guru blog, uh, simply go to our website, you can see the blog, we, we put out a ton of free educational informational content. Uh, about this journey that you're going to go through on a variety of different topics. We have podcasts like this with folks like Ryan sharing their stories. We also have things like uh, webinars that we do. In fact, uh, we're, uh, we do these every month and, and they're on a, a litany of topics. So, but, but whether you go to Greenlight or, or some other source, find information to help educate yourself. I think that's really, really important. The other thing, that, Ryan... That's one of my... Actually, the, the ways that I've, uh, I mean, I've learned more about that process from you guys' materials than any other source. It's, it's excellent. You guys have done a great job of putting together those guides. Uh, you, you make them, you know, free to access, and it's just a really good resource. I, I appreciate you saying so. Let's dive into a little bit of, of some of the challenges. So you, you start, and as we speak today, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you're at that point where, you know, you're, you're preparing a, a, Final submission. You've got some clinical success and, and that sort of thing. So you're you're at a point where you know in the not too distant future where we can expect to see the Tommy device uh, with a market launch before too long. Um, but talk a little bit about some of the, the the challenges that you face during the design and development process. I mean, your device is an electromechanical device. I can't help but think uh, something like IEC six zero six zero one testing and how much fun that's sarcasm folks how much fun that has been to go through but what are some of the other uh gotchas that 
that you've had to overcome uh, in the quest of getting this product submission ready? Yeah, sure. No, no, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, that's six oh six oh one is kind of the 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 biggest culprit, here, right? I mean, it's 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 fantastic. It makes a lot of sense. It's very good from a safety perspective. But it, uh, you know, whenever I talk to other other med device founders that that don't have that kind of electrical aspect, maybe it's just a, a, a pure mechanical device, very simple, something like that, a surgical tool. Uh, you know, he gets talking about, and, and it's hard to it's hard to get resonance with with uh, some folks about the the frustrations and, and challenges that you have around six hundred six hundred one. Whenever you know they're not necessarily under the same same restriction because of the way the design, device was designed, and and six hundred six hundred one, you know, EMC, just all that stuff is uh, is is one of the biggest pains you know that we've that we've had, and and it's all good stuff, but it's um, it's definitely been uh, you know one of the the bigger challenges. I can relate to. Uh a device that I was developing a few years ago and um, we got to the point where we were doing, it, it, let's just say we, we started the electrical safety testing later than we should have. We should have done some pre-screening and pre-testing uh, to, to better, to, to account for that in the design of the product. But we got to a point where you know, we had a, a looming deadline in front of us for a submission and we had started the, the uh, 60601 testing process and uh, let's just say we had uh, lots of uh, uh, nickel uh, ion paint on the inside of the enclosure. We had wrapped uh, some of the boards and capped on tape. I mean, it was you take you open this thing up and it's got all sorts of stuff, yeah. you know, like a, a present, but you know, not in a fun way. I mean, it, it's challenging. It's really challenging testing. So my advice to folks is do some some pre screening, pre testing as early as you possibly can. And I, I don't know if, if uh, you have any other tips on that particular topic. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a huge one. Just uh, don't skip a pretest. Uh, you, you really need to understand because some of those things, I mean, I mean, some of them can be fixed with tape. Some of them can't, and some of them need, need fairly, you know, invasive changes in order to get it where it needs to be. So, you know, you can't realize that after you've completed some of your other testing and now this is going to impact that it can be a mess. So, the pre-testing is really important. Having somebody that's that's doing your your electrical design that really understands the uh, the, the six hundred six hundred one criteria, you know, understands creepage and clearance and some of these things, leakage current. I mean, I think that's one of the things in an early stage startup. You're always trying to be efficient with your resources, and maybe you've got somebody that knows PCB layout and electrical design, but you know, overlooking some of that stuff will really bite you later on. So make sure that you know, grab a consultant or somebody that can really audit that and make sure that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, good tip. Folks, I'm talking, I'm talking with, with Ryan, Ryan Shelton. He's the CEO and co-founder of Fatana Care. You can check out what they're doing. Uh, again, go to fatana.care to learn more. I also want to remind folks, of course, you're listening to MedTech True Quality Stories podcast. Uh, you, you may or may not know, but Greenlight has the number one podcast in the medical device industry. It's called the Global Medical Device Podcast. Wherever you are listening to this episode, with Ryan, you can find the Global Medical Device Podcast as well. So be sure to check that out and share that with with others that you know. Uh, the other thing I want to uh, mention as well is, you know, whether you're a startup, uh, an established company, uh, it, it really doesn't matter what, what stage you are in. Greenlight Guru, we have built an eQMS software solution that is designed specifically and exclusively for medical device companies. And yeah, it was designed by actual medical device professionals. So 
uh, be sure to check that out if if you need a little bit of efficiency, you need some guardrails, you need a little bit of knowledge uh, applied to things that you may not know as far as how to address things like design control and risk and document management and all those post-market quality events like CAPAs and complaints as well. So go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. All right. So Ryan, you're at a point where, you know, it's not done. I, I get it. There's, it's maybe it's never going to be done, but what do you see as, as sort of the, the next steps, the next obstacles ahead of you and, and uh, you know, how can, I or how can Greenlight or how can the listeners maybe help uh, either spread the word or or uh, help the cause for photonic care? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so so we're kind of at a point where you know we will we'll be expecting a product launch later this year, and um, you know right now we're we're focused on kind of you know getting that to the finish line, but also uh, starting to set up. Uh, you know we're. we're doing the trade show circuit and we're making sure that, uh, that, that we're getting a little more exposure on the device and, and talking with a lot of docs. So, I mean, I think, you know, in anticipation of, of us really getting this thing out so it can help people later this year, you know, we're looking for uh, institutions, uh, uh, hospital systems that, that may want to partner with us on this, uh, you know, on, on both the, the kind of clinical data side, but also on the commercial side. So I think, uh, you know, any references for that, that's something that's always very helpful. Uh, you know, on the commercial side, we did. Uh, we were fortunate enough to execute a, a distribution agreement in Japan earlier this year. I have a great partner over there that was willing to engage. Uh, you know, in, in frankly a fairly early stage, and uh, uh, that allows us to kind of parallel track some some efforts in Japan that I think are really going to uh, you know bear a lot of fruit. Um, and we're we're kind of looking at that on a timeline of of uh, sometime next year. So. A lot of exciting stuff, and uh, you know, as well, any any med device folks out there that just want to just want to chat, you know, maybe uh, maybe you'll learn something me from me. I'll I'll probably learn something from you. So uh, I'm I'm always open to that. Yeah, uh, that's terrific. And and I Ryan, I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth, but one of the, the things that that uh, I recall on your journey is sort of embracing the the regulatory landscape. Uh, and what I mean is there was a point in time earlier in the development process where you actually went through the pre-submission process and, and had an audience with FDA. And, you know, I know sometimes folks, I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday that that they were so resistant to, to quote, getting on the radar screen with FDA uh, that they were resistant to, to even engaging or, or collaborating with FDA. But maybe if you don't mind, share a little bit about your experience with that pre-submission and uh, process and working with, with uh, FDA on your path. Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, one thing, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who's a relatively new entrant to this, this uh, industry on the regulation side, but, you know, just from talking with other folks, I mean, the, the FDA has changed so much over the last decade. And, I, I definitely have heard the kind of uh, position from some folks of, you know, we don't want to engage. We want to stay as low profile as possible. And I think that was was probably a, a, a good strategy 10 years ago, uh, just based on the, the the way the agency worked, the landscape, the, the things that were happening then, the timelines. But uh, it's completely changed. I mean, they, they're uh, opened their doors in a lot of ways. You know, these pre-subs are one example of that. So actually, you know, getting to go in with a list of questions and, and they'll answer those questions, uh, document the responses. You know, those responses are non-binding, but they're also, um, you know, it's a, it's a record of what was discussed. And, and 
it's a very good way to get some of those questions answered so that there aren't surprises. Um, you know, whenever you come to submit, we were able to answer almost every question that, that you know, we could think of uh, in a meaningful way in these pre-subs. And then the also, the other advantage of those is that, uh, I mean, FDA, our reviewers are people too. It's not like this is all done by some machines or people with no emotions on the other side of the table. So actually getting in there, meeting them, shaking their hands, imaging their ear, you know, those are things that really advance the relationship. And, and, you know, we're all humans and that, that connection um, is certainly not hurtful in any way. So, so I think that's been really great opportunity for us. The other thing that I love that they do are these uh, FDA vendor days. And if, if you haven't participated in one of those as a medical device designer, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. Basically, you know, they open their doors uh, and you, you come in and it's basically like a little trade show where you just have, you know, a little booth set up. Uh, FDA officials, your review team, et cetera, can come through and they check out the devices and they talk to you about them. And I've never sat, uh, you know, reviewing a medical device, but I can imagine it's a whole lot easier if I have seen the device, if I've touched it, if I've used it, if I really understand it from a practical perspective. So that's one of my biggest, I think, uh, things I would push from from the engagement piece is, you know, try to get a device in front of them. Yeah, I think that's that's such a, a, a wise tip for those listening. I mean, folks, the... If you've listened to any other uh, episodes of either the uh, Global Medical Device Podcast or MedTech True Quality Stories, you've probably heard me and our guests talk a lot about the value of a pre-submission. Uh, it does present a lot of value because the, 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 I'll say the, uh, the approach that was common 10 years ago was you get to a point where you're ready to submit your 510K and, and you send a submission, hundreds and hundreds of pages in some cases to FDA. And, you know, that submission, there, some of those pages may have some drawings of some different components and, and the final product and that sort of thing, but it's a very flat image. And, you know, as, as I don't care how well your writing is and how well you describe and articulate it, you know, sure. A picture is worth, uh, this, this is something a mentor of mine from a few years ago said, and I love it, but picture might be worth a thousand words, but a prototype is worth a thousand pictures. So having something that you can hold and feel and interact with is, is certainly invaluable. And to your point, yeah, FDA reviewers, they're, they're humans. And in your case, I, I bet some of those humans probably have children. And I bet some of those, those uh, parents of those children probably have had to deal with ear infections at some uh, level. I mean, I, I, looking at your website, ear infections affect four out of five children. That's just astounding how how ubiquitous this problem is in our society. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, we put that one at the front of the page, but it's not, not even the most, which is just a really astounding number. I mean, we're talking about surgery and this is a, a you know, under anesthesia invasive surgery. Yeah. So, Ryan, any other final tips or pointers that that you want to share with listeners today? Oh, I mean, you know, always feel free to reach out. You can find me on on a lot of, you know, LinkedIn, a lot of social media, Twitter, etc. But I, I think, you know, as a selfish plug, we're always looking for great team members. And, you know, we're about to enter kind of a growth phase. And, uh, you know, if you like what we're doing, um, if it resonates with you, uh, just reach out, you know, if, if, uh, if it's something you're interested in, let's talk about it. 
are there specific skills or, or types of roles that, that you're actively searching for right now? So we're, we're, we're pretty open right now. I mean, we are, we do have a couple of specific um, uh, kind of job descriptions that are out right now. One is a, one is, is a CTO. We're kind of moving into a commercial phase and we are, cool. we are looking to bring on a CTO. Uh, the other one is, is on the clinical side, kind of a clinical uh, manager, um, you know, for a lot of our, our clinical work, but we're also going to be hiring, you know, engineers. We're going to be hiring sales folks. Um, you know, so I, I, I say if, if what we're doing resonates with you, give me a call and we'll see what we can see, see, see what, what comes together. Yeah, folks. I, and I can uh, personally attest to the quality of the Photonic Care team, really a fantastic group of people, very driven, very motivated. And, you know, they focus on what's important, not only to the patient, but making sure that, that all the things that, that need to be documented and recorded in, in a quality system or a design history file from a testing perspective, they don't cut corners. They, they do the right things because they all appreciate and know that at the end of the day, the patients who are going to interact with their Tommy device and their other technologies that they're developing, those patients are going to be impacted one way or another. So really great team. Uh, one of the best startup teams by far I've, I've ever worked with. So uh, certainly would encourage you if you have an interest in, in joining an exciting team that's growing, that is really solving some real clinical problems, you should check out Photonic Care. Ryan, uh, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on MedTech True Quality Stories. Love hearing the story. Every time that I have a chance to talk to you, it's just, it's, I, I smile from ear to ear because, you know, like I said, I've, I've been, I've, I've experienced this firsthand as a parent and, and I know, you know, other parents out there listening might be going through similar things or maybe some folks who uh, are planning to be parents at some point in time in the future folks root for photonic care because their technology is going to make your child's life, your life uh, better. And, and they truly are improving the quality of life. As thanks. I mentioned, yeah, go ahead. No, I was, uh, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. We, we, you know, it's, it's very easy to get motivated on something that you're passionate about and, and yeah. it's a privilege for me to come to work every day and work on a problem like this. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Greenlight Guru, we're here to help you and your cause and your mission of improving quality of life, whatever problem or, or issue you're trying to address or solve, that's what we're here for. We, as I mentioned, we work with medical device companies. We work with Ryan and the team at Photonic Care uh, very frequently. So, you know, if this is you and, and you want a little bit of help getting to that next key milestone or that achieving your desired outcome, please do yourself a favor, reach out to us at www.greenlight.guru. As always, this is the host, founder, and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru. And you have been listening to MedTech True Quality Stories with Ryan Shelton, CEO and co-founder of Photonic Care. 